0: Commanders and welcome to episode 60 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Vosso Forrester, and joining me in the orange sidewinder this episode is Grant Psycho Cal Good evening, sir. <laughs> Good evening, Grant, and also we have the wonderful Colin Ford. Good evening, sir. First time I've ever been called wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and as that wonderful piece of music might have given you the idea, we are actually just the three amigos in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode. Due to real-life circumstances and all sorts of shenanigans, the rest of the crew are otherwise engaged. So it's just going to be us three amigos in the Orange Sidewinder tonight, which is a shame for everybody else because we've got a cracking show ahead of us. <laughs> we've got <laughs> the amazing news about Powerplay. for this show, what we're going to do, we're going to go through the, uh, the newsletter leaving out sort of main talking points around power play. And we're going to use that as the main discussion. Then of course, we're going to have some uh, stuff about the community and some community questions. So if you'd like to do, join us in game, we are hanging outside in Lave Station. And as there's only two for this episode, we've actually all managed to get our asses outside Lave Station. So you might find that there's at least one or two orange sidewinders sitting outside the station this evening and a great big yellow canary that is Grant's type nine. it brought that to the party as well.
1: So you parked outside, grand Still trucking my way over there because I was um, parked up at a sun fueling up so I didn't do the same mistake with this ship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that in just a bit. But If you'd like to join us, you can come into uh, Lave Station in the open. That's where we're hanging out for this episode. Uh, if you would like to join us on the IRC channel and chat live during the actual show, you can just head over to LaveRadio.com and look for Lave Radio Live and join the chat channel there. Or you can tweet us at LaveRadio.com Radio and send us some messages on Facebook and we'll try and check those and answer them as we go through the show. But without any further ado, let's find
1: out what Mr. Psycho Cal Walcott's been up to this. Oh, you yeah, had to come to me quickly. I was just, just at the end of a jump and the next star was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> so I was looking at it. Well, I've been editing dockers. There's been loads of stuff. My, my sister and soon-to-be brother-in-law announced their engagement as well. So there's a big party coming up soon, which is awesome. So congratulations, sis. Um, We also spent the day today trying to iron out the last of these technical difficulties that have been causing me to pull my hair out And reinstalled Windows this morning So I think everything's back on, but you know, as these things tend to be It's not until you go to press that button for a program that doesn't exist that I'll figure (laughs) it out
0: (laughs) Well, that's the uh, one uh, one good thing about my, uh, my male pattern baldness as it's come in. It just means that whenever I need to pull my hair out, I actually can't do myself any damage whatsoever. <laughs> you just polish your head. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, instead of the uh, I'm pulling my hair out in frustration, I'm rubbing my head It just doesn't seem to uh, have, you know, Convey the same sort of level of frustration Really, does it?
1: <laughs>
0: no <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, so I'm angry, all- I'm getting so shiny
1: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, as people may re- be Questioning themselves, did, did Psycho Kyo Say he's in a, a yellow T9? Yes, my orca went pop
0: <laughs> okay so uh give us the story about your orca okay, so obviously you were you were stranded you were waiting for fuel you were waiting for the power play update
1: i was indeed and, and i wasn't bothered about the fact that i'd have to wait a long time because obviously grand theft auto's out so it was great and <laughs> it was one less distraction to uh to take me away from all the important things i should be doing that i don't do but on Friday for the Abracadabra show, I fire up the, the game again for the most riveting backdrop of sitting there not moving or doing anything. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I notice is, where's the big purple star gone? It's, it's not there. This, this is weird. So I have a look around, nothing on the scanner, nothing at all. I thought, well, I'll jump into into a Super Cruise and see if I can see it on the scanner there. Nope. No sign of it, and I thought, Well, it's not going to be the best backdrop for the Abacadrabble show, but it's going to have to do. So I left it in the frameshift drive on, throttled back to zero, and then went about getting the show bits ready. And when I went back to double check on it, the game said, your ship has been destroyed. And I thought, (laughs) oh, well, I didn't crash into anything because there wasn't anything and I wasn't moving. So I'm wondering if maybe when your fuel hits zero that your ship automatically kabooms.
0: That's an interesting thought, but, I mean, we've had no confirmation from Frontier that that's actually the case. Did you register it as a bug? Have you uh, posted a bug report just so they can look into it?
1: No, I was just so happy I got started playing again.
0: <laughs> Grant, that is not the attitude at all. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, it can fly again, yay! I mean, I, suppose, I, mean, I was still in the back of my head it was always going to be power play is going to be announced and then they're going to announce this refuelling module that players can fit to their ships and they can refuel their friends as long as they've got this other module fitted and (laughs) you'd have heard me swearing (laughs) from here um, across the galaxy, there'll be reports of it out in the outer reaches and in fact Karash would hear me from where he is I'd be swearing so loud at that one
0: uh, available from Sagittarius A all the way through to Lave, absolutely uh, Mr. Ford, what have you been up to this week?
2: Well, um, I've been recording and releasing the latest top shift, number 41 I now have upgraded to a T7 and turned it purple I am now the <laughs> proud owner of a purple brick uh, the problem that I'm having is that I can't stand it I really can't stand that ship but I needed the money I just feel like I'm a complete sellout. I just need the money.
0: Yeah, you see, you said this, and I'll pick you up on it in the in our Lave Radio chat. I don't understand what your problem is with the T7. I think for what it's supposed to do, it's one of the best ships in game. I loved my T7. You know, I thought the T6 was brilliant, but the T7 is still my favorite ship to fly in game.
2: Oh, it, I'm, maybe I'm just having a little problem with trading, I, I do have a little bit of a, when I get, I, I don't, probably a low boredom threshold. I just get to that point where I think, oh, I'll do another hour in order to get enough to get that scanner that I need for the Cobra I've got on the side. Oh, gee, you know,
0: it, it can. Where you, down Okay, so was it a monotonous uh, sort of jump A to jump B to jump A to jump B? Is that what you're doing or are you trying to do things, you're trying to mix things up a bit more? Well, you've got to mix things
2: up a bit more. You can, you can see why some people burn out. And I must admit, I think I'm beginning to feel, fall into that burnout category as I mix things up, again, up a bit. And thankfully, that's why I've got this Cobra and Sidewinder and a couple of little ships on the side just to blow some steam.
1: I find it extremely difficult to believe that Mr. Person who reads manuals is going to get <laughs> bored and burnt out by trading. I tell you what, though, you should try the, the T-9. I was, I've was i obviously been flying a T-9 for a while, and then I jumped into a Vulture. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly, I nearly <laughs> crashed into the ceiling of the station trying to undock. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I find that with the Cobra as soon as I as soon as I cut E seven and then go out and back into the Cobra and go right here we go. I always overcompensate. Says more than I really should should say. And um I'm I'm almost into the side of the station as well. So yes. <laughs> but I need to mix it up a bit. 'Cause
0: there. and it does get a little bit oh really, here we go again well this is more of a sort of a community point but why don't you try out the uh, the founder's ultimate gold route uh, by uh, by dastardly uh it's on the uh, the latest newsletter but it's, it's a sixty uh, a sixty stop trading route that'll take you around about six to uh, eight hours to complete uh in a trading <laughs> ship and yeah, oh, you, uh, joy. <laughs> well i know but it's it's a little bit more exciting than a b a b a b rinse and repeat i mean this is sixty stops so yeah you're gonna yeah. You're gonna see a lot of the Galaxy doing it that way. Well, uh, I mean the only thing I've got is that well, I'm a kind of a victim on one a really
2: good trade route. And I'm not gonna tell you it is. But it, it does <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well everything'll head there and the markets will flatten. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have that.
1: Ah, and- actually you you may be quite incorrect there because I have a little place that I have been using since I was in my T six and I have continued to use it and I have shared it with anybody that cared to ask it's quite, you know, I find a fantastic source of Palladium and yes, every once in a while you see more commanders there than NPCs (laughs) and the, the buy cost the buy price goes up by a little bit and then they all go oh, we've crashed the market and then they all bugger off and I sit and I wait four or five days later, it's back to the normal price and off I go again so the one thing people tend to forget is the market can recover
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Market count values can go up as well as down. <laughs> yeah, your Cobra is at risk if you do not keep up repayments <laughs> that you have secured upon. And Grant would know more about that than anybody else. <laughs> um well, from my side of things I've actually spent quite a bit of time in game uh, I know I said that uh, now that uh, my little one Sienna is ten weeks old she's uh, sleeping regularly so uh, things are calming down to the point where I can get back into the universe a bit more so I've been doing some trading runs and I finally at long last got rid of my python and I'm in a t9 and oh my god is that a change it's um it's a flying brick. That is, that is all it is. It's a flying brick with thrusters. It's the most dullest ship I think I've flown in game to date. Now I have to say that is with the uh, the standard thrusters. I, I the stupid thing. Everybody were on the internet and all you guys said, yeah, make sure you have more than enough money to uh, to kit it out, to to pay for your insurance, and uh, make sure you can get a full cargo load into it and everything else, and make sure you've got some money in reserve to buy you know your little bits and pieces. Yeah, I didn't do that. I managed to get just about enough money to get into a T9 and then I was border trading I was uh, I just went and bought it so uh, this was the, the standard thrusters uh, and all the you know, just all the normal stuff and uh, coming from a Python with class A thrusters and things the difference was just it was just painful I nearly crashed it straight into the letterbox basically not being uh, <laughs> not factoring in how slow the turning circle is on that ship so
1: it is a, it's a patient man ship isn't it I've oh, got my. to the, is it, is a, I think it's Class 7 for the thrusters. So I've got B7 thrusters, and they're not much better.
0: Really? Oh, I see it.
1: I don't have the 45 million to buy
0: the A-Class. It's just that the, the the price of everything on them is amazing. I'm surely I'm gonna. Well, it's good. basically the the one sort of saving grace that I've got about the T9 is now that I've got a T9. I, the T9 is one of those ships that I see, like the the Cobra that I've got parked in my hangar, like the Sidewinder that I've got parked in my hangar. The Type Nine is going to be one of those ships that you keep, one of those ships that you keep for the duration of your time within the Elite Dangerous universe. If you ever need to earn money, then you're going to go and jump back into your T9 and do your trading routes, but you know from here on out the money that i'm making i am going to sort of plow into getting a souped up vulture and get back into some combat or you know with uh, power play comes out and mining's a little bit more sexy um you know, i'll plow some money in for my trading into a mining ship so but i always expect that in my hangar i will always have the t9 so that's you know that's, that's one of my permanent ships so it can be upgraded as i go through the universe i'm not particularly worried like the rest of the ships are just doing everything and upgrading it straight away so but yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system, going from a Python to a T9, and they, uh, they don't handle exactly the same, shall we say. <laughs> I think the T7 is bad. Oh yes, if you think the T7 is bad, just you know, let me uh, loan you the keys to my T9 for a while, and then you'll uh, suddenly have a newfound appreciation for the Type 7 the other thing i should say about the type 7 as well is if you can get yourself i know you've got the poor man's oculus rift and stuff set up but do <laughs> yes. they actually allow you to um do they actually allow you to look behind yourself in the cockpit or is it literally just the same sort of like an ed tracker no no you can look behind you, yourself in the cockpit yes you can or you can't you can you can yeah okay so if you look behind yourself in the t7 not yet no right okay uh, look behind yourself in the t7 with you know, with virtual reality and then come back to me and tell me what you think about ship because i think that the backdrop for the t7 is one of the best backdrops of any of the ships i've seen so far oh okay well i'll i'd I'll, I'll, I'll like that i'll try and keep an open mind
2: but every single time i i'm approaching a star, oh my goodness life
0: station has just lit up like a christmas tree it has does not it yeah, it has, yes. Who's been a naughty boy? <laughs> I don't know, but one of the commanders in games just messaged me and said, do you think that the elite uh, NPCs are actually uh, modelled on uh, Victor Meldrew from One Foot in the Grave? And I do admit <laughs> that I don't believe it cries from all the NPCs when the <laughs> station starts firing on them. It does make you wonder. Yeah. Oh, hello, we've got this T7 here. That's Commander Wu Yi. Anyway, whilst we have a quick scan around and see who's around outside Lave Station, what we're going to do is going to go for a quick advert break, and then after that we'll
4: come back and go straight into the Develop News and the newsletter. Natural remedies have always been some of the galaxy's finest, so when we discovered a wholly natural way of slimming down and reducing your appetite, we had to share it with everyone. Harnessing the amazing powers of our native parasitic life, we've solved an age-old problem. Vegas Slimweed has been used by settlers of the region for decades with undeniable results and significant health benefits. If you think that Vegas Slimweed could be the solution you're looking for, Speak to your doctor today. Travelling with vagus and weed ingested may constitute smuggling. Please check before your journey and declare yourself customs for an internal search. Failure to digest does not constitute grounds for reimbursement. Side effects may include, but are not limited to, increased blood pressure and heart rate, insomnia, nervousness, blurred vision, restlessness or headache. Some forms of parasite may cause stomach side effects like constipation, dry mouth, nausea or vomiting. A small sample of patients exhibit full body paralysis, adatonic state and internal hemorrhaging. Parasite must be purged before pupation, else death will occur.
0: Okay so newsletter number 72 obviously the main focus of newsletter 72 is the wonderful announcement about power play and the details that they've given us about the yeah, the meat on the bones of Power Play, which is fantastic. What we're going to do is we're going to use that as the main talking point of the discussions, along with David Braben's Ask Me Anything. So that's what we're going to spend most of the show talking about. But let's just have a look at what else was mentioned in the newsletter, certainly around the other things that are coming into the game with Power Play. So what they say is that we are rebalancing roles, opening new opportunities, and making the Elite Dangerous Galaxy more surprising than ever before. Here's a quick overview of some of the features and upgrades you'll find as part of Power Play. The Galnet newsfeed, accessible directly from the ship's user interface and a better play inbox to track options in branching missions. Uh, Grant, do we have a fanfare? Do we have some claps? Do we have some applause? Do we have a... Oh my God, thank God for that. Um,
1: um,
0: <laughs> the one time we where? need some really daft special effects. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what have I got? I've got <laughs> absolutely nothing. Two seconds.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Wise- <laughs> <laughs> Whilst Grant goes and looks for some fanfare, um, Colin, what do you reckon? I mean, this has been a long time coming.
2: Well, to tell you the truth, um, I hadn't realised I was missing this until they said it. Uh, because really? I thinking, yeah, I, 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 uh, because I haven't gone exploring, I haven't got disconnected like uh, everybody else seems to at the moment. Um, I've kept quite up on the galnet. I haven't missed. I haven't missed it because I'm always checking it when I'm docking so many trade runs but now that um i've got a target that i want to go explore which is not sagittarius a so when that happens i I do want to keep up to date with what's going to be happening in PowerPlay for when i get back and that's going to be spot on instead of having to go into go to the website or troll around some of the forums at the same time and i know it's right there on the on the hud which i know is going to be useful in the next couple of weeks
0: Well, I've got to say, from my point of view, the whole Galnet thing, I am completely sort of disconnected from it because I can't really be asked to go to the numerous sources that (laughs) <laughs> they've actually put up to get the information um, whether that's just because I'm lazy or just because I'm very confused easily and I don't know, you know where I should be reading it all from but unless there's actually something uh, sort of creating waves within the community and there's a big sort of community goal or something that uh, pulls me into reading the that news behind it I just don't bother however all those times that you've got a you know a long super cruise uh, trip from the star into the uh, station that you're you're trading to, or, or just flying to. That's, that's it the perfect.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the perfect opportunity to just sort of flick over and read the latest news newsfeed and actually get involved in some of the the fiction. So I think, yeah, you know, this simple addition is actually going to get a heck of a lot more of the community involved in the underground, the underlying, the underlying story of the galaxy itself. So I think. Yeah, it's a a fantastic and will be quite a big upgrade to the actual universe.
1: It's it's, it's amazing because, I mean, the number of times I've meant to check Garnet in a station and I've already hit launch, and you think, I'll do it at the next station, and then you've hit launch because you're kind of focusing on the task at hand and you miss it, and I actively went out of my way over the recent plays to get involved in Garnet and to take the time to read it and... Um, When we go into the community goals later on, uh, if we go into the community goals later on, I'll I'll sort of give you my overall feelings of how it ties into the game and, you know, what I feel about that. But I was quite surprised at the amount of stuff that you can find. Because one of the things I kept saying that we really need in-game is local news. And Mm -hmm. in some little places you do, but at the moment it's more related to boom, economics, bust and civil war or bounties and it doesn't quite have that kind of same uh, characteristics building and characters in that particular system that would be Mm. awesome to create that feel of somebody rising to power and then you can see them spreading over the universe and maybe power play will bring stuff like that but we'll have to wait and see
0: yeah, absolutely. The, the fact that you uh, leave stations without checking the Galnet newsfeed doesn't surprise me at all, considering that you managed to leave the last station without refuelling your Orca, so that doesn't surprise <laughs> me in the slightest.
1: Oh dear, one day I'll live this down.
0: No, because Alan Stroud still is having to
2: live down the fact of this counting error, so you've got a long time to wait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Um, the overall mission, the overhaul mission system, as well to support PowerPlay's new objectives, is the next thing on the list. Grant, do us a favor and just take us through that one and what you think of it.
1: The overhaul mission system. I don't know what it's going to bring properly, you know. So, I think you know, obviously, it needs to support the idea of you getting missions that are well. Yeah, there's one particular important fact in there, which is where you're getting counter missions created, and that's awesome. That's the the real crux of what a multiplayer to me means that you take a mission to protect or to do something and i take a mission to stop you doing that something or to play a counter role somewhere along the lines that forces us to meet in the middle and that's really exciting as a development okay some people might say that's a, a way of forcing people into pvp but not necessarily necessarily Probably, but not necessarily. <laughs> and I think that's a that's a really exciting development because that cat and mouse concept is it's is intrinsically live and happening now somewhere in the universe, someone's doing this mission and I've got to go out there and stop them and oh.
5: oh I do like this little one. Uh, hmm. Is is there are there any Douglas Adams references to be found in game? Okay. Ah, di- yes, the the mostly harmless one. Um, oh, yes, there's obviously one in Barnard Star where you can come across maybe some roundabouts,
3: but, <laughs>
5: but um, I mean, there's there's a couple of things we could we could do to add that in. I mean, let's see in the twenty. 25th of May this year there is it's Towel Day so um we could all just people could meet up round the Adams station uh, and tribute to that kind of thing I do know that there's there's a few things in the, in the text there that if you look through there's a, it's very hitchhiker's like so are you suggesting that people wear their best sort of towel-esque skin uh, <laughs> around the Adam Station? Yeah, why not? That would be a good one to, to put about for the...
1: And then I'll complete that and then I'll go back and I'll do the next one. Um, I love the some of the missions, you know... You, they they, they do get stale, there's only so many black boxes that you can pick up, in fact you can frankly fly around and pick up loads of them and just go around stations finding missions sending you out to search for them and go nah, I've already got five in the back here take one of them, I'll complete (laughs) it now (laughs) (laughs) and it, 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 it does feel that way that it's not linked specifically to something and I understand that that's the sort of simplest way to create the random content uh, but it doesn't really lend itself to making you feel that the universe is particularly linked. It's more kind of, here's a random mission to go to a random spot in space. Not doesn't matter which one you go to. If you find a black box in the system we're telling you it's in, that's awesome. If you don't, you can always go to another system and find one there. Uh, and while you're at it, you know, pick up some rare art while you're out there, because I'm sure there'll be a mission for you to go and find some <laughs> when you come back. And that... that if these missions then become more relevant and, and and more targeted you're going to have a feeling that actually they're proper missions and not just random generated tasks yeah definitely and if you
0: think about it, the other thing that they mentioned is you know obviously you'll have to interdict some of these things, but you know, these you know, targets might also be sort of mixed in with the you know, the general population, so you know you could find them hanging around outside a station. Uh, which if you think back to your Elite Frontier days, there was a quite a few assassination missions where you'd have to actually fly to a station. Now, granted, they had planetary landings and stuff, so if you go through a planetary landing and you could see your target was actually on the landing pad, you had the the option of sort of sitting in orbit, focusing on him and locked on target and, and waiting for him to take off. Or if you were bored and fancied a, yeah, fancied a challenge, you'd just open up and uh, you know, face the wrath of the Vipers. So with any luck will have something similar appearing now in Elite Dangerous where if they're hovering around outside the station, you know, possibly being protected by the the station's no fire zone, you know, do you take the risk and take them out there? You know, similarly if they're on a you know, one of the outposts, do you just hover above and you know, watch them on the landing pad? Do you wait for them to take off? get far enough away from the station and take them out there or do you actually just open up all your weapons and face the wrath of the station at the same time as trying to do the assassination you know these are the sort of things that in Frontier this was when you were sitting and creating the the background story on your head about you know what you were thinking and you know what they were thinking and you know just basically creating the narrative so if they do that sort of thing in Elite Dangerous I think it would be a great addition to it all
1: I think it's... This, the narrative is going to be the, the, the sort of exciting... I've arrived in labour, everybody. This is going to be the exciting point and <laughs> And to feel that you are part of a sort of universe that's alive. And the assassinations, I mean, I have to say, we have to curse itchy nipples. Because if itchy nipples hadn't got caught, that's a technique we could have used to take out station-bound <laughs> <to, to laughs> targets. <laughs> curse your yeah, n- but, nipples. But don't you have to fire off the killing
2: shot in order to get the assassination, though? Yeah, you don't oh, uh, no, uh, no, uh,
1: no, 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 because I've done I, I did um, some uh, Ascension missions when I was out doing some community goals and in my wing, we just dropped out, took out the target and moved on, and it didn't matter I just, you know, because <laughs> this is what I'm like in a wing, I'll fire a couple of shots and then sit back and let the rest of the guys do the work you know, going on underlings <laughs> that's the last <laughs> time I'm getting a wing <laughs>
0: Okay, before we go before we go any further down the ipsy nipple route, let's just move on from that one and go into the uh, the next thing, which is about drones. Uh, yeah, we've got new drones for collecting cargo, for prospecting, for mining, transferring fuel, and supposedly these drones can empower you whether you favour trading, combat, or exploration. Whether you prefer to fly friends or fly alone. Now, obviously, it would have made a massive difference to your game had you still been sat out in the middle of nowhere in your Orca with no fuel grant. But for me, these are one of the things that could actually make the biggest change in the game, the inclusion of drones and how you fly drones, how you handle them, and how well they're integrated into the whole mechanics of the gameplay. Certainly mining uh, is going to see a big change because, let's be honest, nobody loves playing catch the rock uh, in their ship. So the fact that that's all going to be Taken care of automatically by the drones might mean that we see a few more people getting interested in the mining role. What about the um, the other aspects? Yeah, the the exploration, the combat. What do we know about the drones playing a part in that? Um,
2: well, obviously the the, the transferring fuel uh, drone is probably going to be the most useful for ex- explorers because at, at that point they're going to be able to say, "Oh, I'm close to Sagittarius A," eh? but. I wasn't able to fuel from that last star. Can someone help me out? You know, the good old AA or <laughs> RAC uh, call for help. But as far as um, the other ones are concerned, mostly collecting cargo and prospecting, uh, they're both doing effectively the same job, which is quick collection. So mm-hmm. obviously collecting cargo is probably going to be more useful for pirates. And prospecting is, well, that's obviously minus. Yep. So, but only if you need to do these things in a hurry uh, so I can, I can, until you can actually see what these drones can do you'll be using up drones left, right and centre to collect all these rocks and if they're too expensive then it might not be worth using them
0: yeah that's a good point, we don't know exactly how much these are going to cost and obviously they're going to take up cargo space as well I believe, or is it cargo space or is it module space? It's, it's cargo, cargo space,
2: space. Mm. yeah,
0: you use a drone
2: up, you, you then gain that ton of cargo space back and that drone's gone and that drone will then replace whatever it's been used up with whatever it's collected or things to that effect
0: interesting so and again information on the drones is a little bit scarce at the moment so um, we shall watch that space with uh, with interest the, obviously, the next new thing coming into power play is the two new player-piloted ships, the on Diamondback, and at long last, again, if we had a fanfare, Grant, this would be the point, uh, the Imperial Courier. Mm-hmm. We don't have a fanfare, do we? I love it. Anything for a cheap sound effect. Great stuff. Thanks, Grant. Uh, the Imperial Courier, a fan favourite from obviously the, the previous iterations of Elite. The only thing that bugs me about the Imperial Courier is it means I have to grind away at the Imperial ranks in order to be able to fly it. Potentially. Um, which one of these? Two, well, Colin, I'm, I'm guessing by the, your love of the the Lake on Type Seven, the Diamondback's not going to be. The Diamondback's not going to be your your the first ship on your wish list, is it? Well, actually, to be honest, uh, I prefer the
2: look of, you know, the Asp and the lakens. I, I really do like that kind of bulky, ugly look, which is, it reminds me a lot of Homeworld. Actually, the picture of the, of the, of the Diamondback looks as if it has come out of pre-production art from, from the Homeworld World series. And I quite like that in a kind of brutal type of way. I mean, to me, the
0: the Imperial ships, okay, they're pretty to look at, but a bit poncy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job Mr. Stable is not on the show tonight. I think he'd be having words. Such yeah. a slander on the Imperial. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Grant, uh, Diamondback or Courier?
1: I like the look of the Diamondback. It's the first kind of like a ship that looks like it could have been in the Alien movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that kind of real heavy at the front. I don't know if, it, if it's going to be heavily armoured, and it looks like a bit of a tank, doesn't it? It looks like a a vulture with extra.
0: Yeah, it's got a certain amount of grunt behind it in the aesthetics, but um, no, no. no I, last I meant- time
1: you, you were talking about the fact you could see a deer, and I'm looking at uh, that one. I can up. see. Can I can shut
0: see- up. It's not a deer.
1: I can see it's a bulldog. Gonna-
0: I was raising the point, and I said it looked like a panther or a tiger. It had a certain sort of Japanese sort of, sort of like mech a, warrior sort of face thing going on. You know the old sort of Japanese, like the Power Ranger thing? That front of the bat looks like it could be a Japanese robot cat face sort of thing. A certain <laughs> amount of run to it. And it you looks, guys all pissed yourselves laughing at me in the chat. And I It looks like a bulldog
1: gonna, with a muzzle
0: never mention I th- uh, it again. i think you've been watching battle of the planets too much <laughs> quite possibly all right before i hit any more ridicule maybe the uh, the listeners will write in and let me know whether or not they can see something animalistic to the front of the diamond back but let's leave that there let's go on to higher yield mining spots at high and low intensity extraction sites adding risk to mining and dramatically increasing the potential rewards is this exciting Yes, yes it is, because it
2: does add that element of danger that has been missing from mining, I think. This is the one thing in which you will have to use those prospecting drones, because if you are mining away and then all of a sudden you see three or four big blips appear on your scanner, and you see that they are massive pirate vessels coming in, you will want to use that drone to pick up that platinum that you found and get the hell out of there
0: before they bring their guns to bear.
2: It'll certainly get the blood pumping.
0: <laughs> well, you say there's no, you say there's no danger I- in mining, but I remember a story that uh, Mister Stabler told me the first time he went mining, and uh, a stray bit of beryllium went and scratched the paintwork on his ship, and he, you know, he's never dared take his ship back to a mining uh, again, you know, cause just <laughs> the amount of money he spent on turtle wax to get it back to its pristine condition. Well, Maybe yeah, he that's can... imperial ships for you, right there <laughs> and then. Far him, too poncy You're going to be uh,
1: risking the mines. Uh, the mining um, career with the increase in uh, potential rewards I don't know I'm kind of proud of my earnings through mining zero and I don't know (laughs) how I want to ruin that Uh, Uh, but maybe we can get a spray paint uh, module that can re-spray your ships as you're flying that'll be perfect for John exactly, if John can
0: get a drone that basically t- you know, waxes his ship and, and, and puts it back to a pristine condition, I think most of his hangers, most of his cargo space will actually be taken up with those sort of drones Okay, so the other one is Cash Insurance Safety Net from the Pilots Federation for higher ranked pilots so you can fly more expensive ships with reduced risk Basically this has been brought about because Frontier Developments want pilots to be daring with very expensive ships and add a little bit of different flavour to the combat scene out there now this is an interesting one for me because the way they've written it, it's not entirely, sh- it's not entirely obvious whether or not this bigger cash insurance safety net is just in terms of your Pilots Federation combat rank, or whether or not it's going to be linked into you know whether or not you're a, a high-ranking trader or a high-ranking explorer. So if I'm a high-ranking trader within the Pilots Federation, does that mean say I get low insurance as well? Or is it just those people that are fighting and have a high combat rating that are going to get the the cheaper insurance safety net from the Pilots Federation? Well, the main reason you're worried about that is because I've just seen your rating and you're still harmless. I'm I'm reasonably harmless. I mean, you know, I, I play it down a lot, but it, yeah. it says harmless right here. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, well, okay. they they just haven't yeah you know the, the, the system hasn't quite caught up with all the the kills that I've been doing over the last week it's you know it's just slow it's, i was i was killing things in you know a lot of dark deep darks deep deep space systems so you know it just hasn't caught up with it that's all i'm not actually harmless i'm i'm a very good pilot i'm a very good i'm a i'm a very good fighter
2: <laughs> oh i' am i'm sorry how many rocks was that um. <laughs> No, I mean, I would like to think that it's going to be that the highest of your three rankings is the one they'll base that on. So that, you know, if you are, my 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 highest ranking is merchant at the moment. So that's quite, I, I don't know how high that up that is on the on the trader scale. I'm not an expert on it. But it is a lot better than my, um, my combat rating. So I'm hoping that if I am in a big ship and I have a, a horrible accident with, say, fuel, <laughs> <laughs>
1: then at least I don't I, like the I way know. you're taking this conversation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> then at least I, then at least I, I know I've got I can get myself into debt and not be that two credits short of a, of getting a replacement ship because because <sighs> that's the awful, isn't it? Because you sort of. I've seen that happen with the people have posted it on Facebook where they've got look what I've got and they, you can see they've got their their ASP Explorer right there and they can just see at the bottom they're about five or ten credits off actually having their ship back, <laughs>
0: just the basic ship. But then that means straight to the signwinder. They've got. Well, hold choice. hold on a second there, Colin. You don't need to look on Facebook for seeing idiots like that. You need to look no further than um, Grant. How many times have you done that?
1: <laughs> Get bullied. Um well once for a complete and utter smack back to Sidewinder and quite quite from a few what's, times. what? That was from a fully kitted out asp. <laughs> oh, nice one. That was that was painful. And it was it's one of these situations where you just kinda go, I'm backing away from the computer just for a couple of <laughs> just for a few tears and then I'll come back later on. And yeah, and then to lose all my fuel in my orca, you're kinda sitting there going, Really? Can these these updates are far too late for me now. But just too late.
3: <laughs>
1: oh dear. Okay, let's stop
0: picking on Grant. Let's uh, let's quickly cover off the rest of these uh, improvements. So um, they also mention uh, a number of improvements to the background simulation, which we probably won't notice, but they're basically making the galaxy more credible and richer in every way. And a number in a number of under. A number of under the hood tweaks to balance the different ways that players choose to play. So, obviously, making mining more profitable is certainly one of those. And hopefully, Grant, you've got the um, the fanfare all queued up again because oh, finally I'm ready. we have. Oh, a gold was I right premature? It. Was I premature? You were very premature, <laughs> ridiculously premature. Hold on, a gold founders ship decal for Kickstarter backers who backed Elite Dangerous as £150 or more. Go.
1: Cut and
2: why do yeah. I suddenly feel that I'm in the middle of a Disney DVD. <laughs>
0: uh, I did not know that my, yeah, until they told me about it, I did not realize that my life was so unfulfilled that I didn't have a gold founder sticker to put on my ship. But now, yeah, now I just can't wait for it. That's the main reason why I'm going to be downloading Power Play on day one. Hmm, sarcasm mode. <laughs> right let's get out of sarcasm mode and after this advert we'll come back and we go into the main discussion that is what is power play Greetings Commanders, Ambassador Crash here, and you are listening to Lave Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Join us live every Tuesday at 8.30pm BST for the latest news on Elite Dangerous and the fantastic community behind it. You can also chat to me live every Friday at 8pm BST on the official community Twitch stream, Crash Landing. Lave Radio, Crash tested and approved since the year 3200. So, obviously, the main discussion for this week's episode is that of Powerplay. Now, Powerplay has been teased at us for a number of weeks, but in Newsletter 72, they've actually come out and given us a little bit more information about what this big update is going to do for the Elite Dangerous Galaxy. So, in their own words, what is Powerplay? Powerplay is a new way to play Elite Dangerous. In Powerplay, you can participate in an ongoing battle for interstellar conquest and control that enhances every aspect of the Elite Dangerous experience. When Powerplay launches, you'll be able to ally yourself with any number of galactic powers, earning valuable perks, reputation bonuses, and credits for your allegiance. As a trusted ally of your chosen power, you'll be able to guide their strategy, take on special objectives to advance your shared cause, and dominate human space. Your choices and actions will have direct and a visible impact on the balance of galactic power. And of course, Powerplay is free! So... Let's just sort of back it up a second. So what we've got at the moment in-game, we have the major factions of the Empire, the Federation, and the Alliance. Um, And we've got the minor factions, which are the ones that you find in all the local systems uh, what Powerplay is going to do is it's going to put an extra layer in between, it's going to be the meat in between those two slices of bread so it's a middle layer between your main factions and your uh, your local factions and it's going to allow you to sort of ally yourself with those and have a bit, of, a bit of backwards and forwards in terms of taking over systems and getting involved in some of the political shenanigans that are going to be going on first of all, before we go into any more depths, Grant and Colin, do you think this is a as big an update as frontier development would like you to believe
1: i think it is i think it's a with all the sort of side tweaks and the maybe not as much of an update to the game as it is a a real fleshing out of the game and it certainly seems to be the biggest fleshing out obviously it's kind of difficult to be certain until it actually hits but it feels that way although when i first saw the sort of power play announcement I was, for a small amount of time, thinking, coloured pictures, that's what we're going to add. (laughs) (laughs) But then I read into it, it does make you you think awesome. It seems to be one of the most exciting updates, because it's not touching on anything that we were kind of thinking about. And Mm -hmm. it's coming coming from a, a really kind of different place that we just didn't even we kind of had ideas it would be about the factions and stuff but not to the extent where you could actually pick a side and that's kind of really cool because that's one of the things people have been talking about is i want to be able to pick a side i want to be a a particular faction and now you can nail your <laughs> nail your flag to your post <laughs> i
0: didn't wonder where you we were going there they mass, were talking. Yeah. that's what you mean
1: that's the one thank you <laughs>
0: With all the talk of fleshing out and then nailing us, I was really wondering what you were going to do there, but never mind. Um, so, yes, yeah, so every power is a fully fleshed out organizational character with a figurehead, biography, political leanings, and a faction specific perk. Each one dominates an expanse of human-occupied space and your actions will see their influence grow as they overthrow neighbouring systems or collapse as other players move against them. Now, one of the criticisms that's been levelled at Elite Dangerous so far is that there's no end game; There's nothing to do once you've ticked all the boxes. Um, For me, what Powerplay is going to do is it's going to give you a reason for staying in-game. It's going to give you an ongoing sort of narrative, which is separate to... Obviously the the big players, the Federation, the Empire and the Alliance and stuff. But it's gonna give you something that you can really get your teeth stuck into. There's something that's gonna change on a week by week basis. Whereas obviously if you if you look at the big factions, frontier developments are kind of limited to what they can really do with those. You know, the big factions, the major factions for me are things that are happening in a so sort of slow burning sort of big story arc that goes on as the game develops. Whereas these power play, these power factions, these powers are things that are going to be changing rapidly by week by week and something that you can really sort of get involved with. It's interesting, <laughs> the the character that they, they put up, Senator uh, Patrius, I think is the correct pronunciation of it. It's, the first thing I saw when I saw this update and I saw that figurehead is that somebody in the art department has a massive crush on uh, on Louis Smith. Now, is it just me that said that or has anybody else seen that as well? The guy from Strictly oh. Come Dancing, the gymnast. Oh, I think everybody sort of picked up on that. That was quite a good thread in the, the forums. For which <laughs> How he... have they not been sued for uh, for copyright of his uh, of his image? I mean, it's just they've literally just taken his head, they've aged it by about sort of ten years, and then stuck it into the game. Well, it's because he's aged it, you know.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that should give you a clue as to who's responsible for it. You're just go try to <laughs> age the person in the art room that's kind of having far too many fantasies. Wait, we Just see the sort of the next one. <laughs> the next one looks like Fozzie.
0: <laughs> you see now that I can understand. I can understand anybody in the art department having a fantasy about me. I mean, that's perfectly understandable. I'm sure most people would agree. But feeling Lynn a little Smith, sick right now. I'm, I mean, really, yeah. What's he got that I don't? Apart from, well, lots. Anyway, um, so the powers. Uh, when it starts off, I think we found out that uh, overall there's going to be 20 different characters or organisations, 20 different powers that are going to be in-game. I think when Power Play launches, that number is going to be down to 10 just while they, while they bed the system in. But are you guys going to be throwing your weight behind a power on day one? Are you going to let them settle in? Are you going to sort of wait and see how everybody else goes? Or are you just going to sort of you know, pick the one that looks the prettiest or the one that has the best perk and uh, get involved with it from the outset?
1: Oh, yes. I'm going to be in there like a shot, depending on the options and who we can pick, you know, and, and when it's when we can sort of have a look at it, when we've got to click the button to... to what was the phrase again, Colin? Uh, nail your colours to the mast. Grant. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so you can do that, what he said. Then <laughs> that's the point when you're really going to make the decisions. Now, I'm not sure. I'm kind of... Oh, I'm in two minds because I mean, I love the trade. I'm enjoying the trading at the moment. So, do I go for one and make the most of that, seeing as is what I'm doing? So, I think I'd probably have to find the one that fits the way I'm playing just now. And then, of course, in the back of my head, I'm hoping at some point I can get the build Akri brothers in my home system up to a point where I can, you know, form an allegiance with them and then rob everybody and anybody and it won't matter because they're a bunch of thugs. (laughs) Okay, well, you just
0: mentioned two points there, so let's just split those two down. Uh, The first one is you choose a faction that is close to your particular playstyle. So obviously as you're trying to grow your your power, the way you can do that, if you choose a power that... uh, grows its uh, influence by sort of economic warfare, by doing lots of trading and things like that, then that's uh, obviously one way of growing into neighbouring systems, or you can choose a faction that's sort of more militaristic uh, and likes to go for conquests to uh, to take over neighbouring systems. Um, so it really depends on you know what way that you play Elite Dangerous as to what faction you're probably going to be drawn towards. Now the question with that is, of course, you can only be a member of one power at any one time. So the whole idea about Elite Dangerous is that you can be any role you want to. So at the moment, Colin and I have just been talking about the fact that we're both doing trading, but we're doing trading with the ultimate goal of being able to kit out a really nice combat ship. So are we going to go for a power that's specifically a trading power because that's what we're doing at the moment and then leave that power with all the ramifications of what leaving is going to uh, cause and go to another power that's more militaristic once we have the, the additional credits? Do you see that as being a problem in the system or do you think it's just something where, you know, it won't really make that much of a difference? It's not going to make that much difference to me at the moment. I think um, when it comes
2: to evaluating w- uh, who's I'm going to align with, uh, I'm going to be backing off a little bit until I can finally think, right, okay, um, this this particular person I, I can I can relate to and then put in with that. I'm not going to jump in both feet like Grant's going to. Um, so, but I, I know what you mean. I mean, some of the perks, this this is the thing, because you, you're going to have to switch at some point, or we're going to have to switch at some point, from our trading section when we've got our good ship. And sometimes there has been mentioned that if you do change factions from one to uh, one which is, uh, yeah, when you change faction, there are going to be consequences. Betrayal is not taken lightly. So if you move from a trading faction into a combat faction,
0: you might have to deal with a little bit of... um argy-bargy along the way. (laughs) I love that, the the argy-bargy. It's not clear. I mean, all they've said is that basically your your previous faction uh, may list you as being wanted, but whether or not that means that you're going to have power-specific bounty hunters on your ass or whether or not it just means that for those particular uh, space stations that are in an area that's controlled by those powers, you won't be able to dock or they're going to open fire on site, we don't know yet. So that's going to be an interesting reveal when Power Play comes into... Uh, into action, the other point that Grant mentioned there was he wanted to grow his his home system he wanted to grow the mine factor in that system to make it into a power Now, this is something that also is possible with the power play and probably one thing that we should probably a little expand a little bit on in the fact that at the moment there will be i say there will be ten powers that will go live when power play is launched in the next. I don't know, say month, six weeks, something like that. Um, and within that, you've got the addition to add an extra 20. And people have been saying, you know, what do we need to do in order to make sure that our minor faction, that we're all throwing our weight behind in game, you know, lots of the groups, Emperor's Grace, Crimson State, and that sort of thing, are throwing their weight behind these minor factions in their particular systems. What do they need to do in order to grow that minor faction and make it into a power? Now... David said that the, yeah, the process of turning a minor faction into a power is going to be a very, very difficult, but absolutely possible. Do you think this is a good thing? Do you think this is Frontier Development sort of nodding the cap at the larger groups out there and saying, you know, we have got something for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I'm glad that they've limited it so that we don't
2: end up with the whole EVE Corp Mm-hmm. mentality. Because I, th- I must admit, the one thing that does concern me about power play is, is it's, get, it's, le- it's letting that kind of corporate mentality that um, put me off from EVE into the game. So, you know, they'll have people there that says, right, these are my systems. If anybody comes in our systems, we're going to shoot them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and that kind of... As we've been dealing with the code and, and stuff in, in, our, in our neck of the woods here... A lot of people will move into solo just to avoid it. And I think if if people start moving into solo, the game will then start to lose some of its edge, I think. Uh, We we touched on this last week a little. And it's getting that balance right. I mean, I I am glad that they've got um, characters and organizations which will be controlled by Frontier, so they'll have a kind of level of control. Or, Or they've got... Oh, hang on a second. They said that most of the goals of the factions will be handled by votes and things like that as they, as yeah. they decide on what to do next. But at least with those organizations, you know that Frontier have got a reset button. They've got the control to reset things if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only if something goes wrong that I'd be wanting them to step in, otherwise let emergent gameplay run its course. Unless, of course, someone decides. right, that's it, we're just going to become a griefer griefer organisation and that'll be it (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what everybody is scared of they're they're scared of this one big goon squad type mentality where if you're not with us you're against us and let's take over the galaxy type of thing
0: yeah certainly and the one thing that comes from this is the uh, the expansion to the PvP aspect of the game where if you are in a combat area so say you've got two powers that are in neighbouring systems and there's a system of contention between the two and it's stated to be in yeah, in a state of war then there's absolutely nothing stopping you in terms of bounty or you know, criminal record or stuff of going into that neighbouring system and if there's any player that's aligned to the power in that system that you're at war with you have no worries whatsoever you can open up and fire on them with gay abandon and there'll be no, uh, no warrant no wanted record put on you there'll be no bounty added to you at all so it does open up the pvp playing fields a little bit is, it, is that right because i was under the impression that if you are defending your system
2: and someone attacks uh, if you've got uh, opponents that you're a war with and you're in your own system you can attack them without fear of uh, penalty however yeah. if you're in another system and you're attacking someone who's defending their system then you do get wanted statuses.
0: Ah okay well that's and not that's how I read it. I read it as right. basically if you if you two, if the two powers are in contention against each other then you know anybody was fair game possibly even in any system. Um but certainly in the system that's at um yeah that's under contention. Uh we'll have a look into that and it obviously will be a little bit more fleshed out as we go through but yeah it's certainly going to open up the whole PVP aspect And again, one of the other things about power play is that how do these two different types of powers come against each other? So say you are a power that mainly expands through economic warfare uh, and you're trading and you're trying to trade into a system that's owned by a power that's mainly militaristic. The way that that will pan out is the fact that you'll be going in there trying to trade. That's the way that you'd win the battle. The way that they would actually defend that system is by actually attacking those trade ships and doing uh, pirating missions and trying to collect the cargo and stop you getting through. So it's interesting the way it mixes up between sort of military and uh, economic warfare.
2: Yeah, well, the, the, and then that goes back to the solo
0: mode again, because you could
2: have people who are, who are doing the trading. They could say, right, we want to bypass those pirates or those players who are trying to pirate us and go into solo mode and perform their trading missions that way. Now, I I know that Michael Brooks has said they haven't got any... Plans on the table to nerf, if you like, or play adjust the solo option versus the multiplayer option at the moment. But you do feel that unless, in the solo option, this faction will also just start targeting you with NPCs. Yeah, it does feel like you'd have a little bit of an advantage for the traders there going in solo
0: yeah definitely you'd hope that the npc in solo mode would also be working for the powers and would also do the whole pirating thing if that's what you yeah you know, if that's what the current warfare is uh, is asking for yeah i mean obviously it's balancing
2: issues and we'll we'll have to see how it goes uh, because we haven't had that many details we are speculating as usual
0: <laughs> as always <laughs> okay well let's uh, quickly go on to David Braben's asked Me Anything uh, and run through some of these. I've made some highlights. Again, really quite interesting, the level of uh, uh, variety that you got with questions going to David. Let's <laughs> so have a look. Certainly the first one that uh, jumped out at me was from Mobius. Now, obviously, Mobius is the figurehead for the Mobius Player and Environment group. And he asked, with PowerPlay bringing players together under one flag, uh, I would imagine that new groups will want to form up and protect their faction. With this in mind, will PowerPlay or future updates for PowerPlay add a group management function like member search or, as the DDF discussed, feature to automatically kick players from a group who attack another player that belongs to the same group? And this is something, if you listen to the the Conclave episode, it's one of the things that the larger groups are actually desperate for, the the fact that they want to have more control over their their membership, and be able to contact them and be able to organize and arrange stuff. So uh, David's answer was, uh, uh, this is something that we will look into in the future, but it's not part of PowerPlay. But the fact that they are going to look into it in the future suggests that uh, they are going to take on board a little bit more about the whole larger group dynamic aspect that's going on a bit more of the metagame. Yeah,
2: I, I think that that's a good thing. I mean, I must admit, when you are looking through your friends lists and you are looking through your private groups, it is a bit um, sparse. The tools that are are there, I think they're going to need to to give that an overhaul at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and speaking about the DDF, there's another question that came in. It says on the subject of real power play, when do the DDF get their godlike powers? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Now. The answer to this was there's been a considerable discussion on the practicalities of what those godlike powers mean in the game. We see a path where the DDF and perhaps other invited members of the community have direct inputs on the powers, possibly even to the extent where one of the powers could be directly driven by the DDF. Mm. Now, what do you think about this before I give you my views on it? Well that's interesting knowing some of the people in the DDF that I know.
2: <laughs> ah it is hard to work out how this one's going to go. The, I mean the these these factions that we kind of the, the the factions that we're on about they're they're kind of the top level tier aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then then this would be this kind of a second level tier where you could organize a group to say right okay I know that they are going to try and take over that system over here, but we'll try for this one that's next to it because they'll be all busy with that first system. I haven't really made my mind up on it, to be honest. I do know that this kind of thing will take an awful lot of time commitment if you're you're managing it. Yeah. Uh, So I know that I don't have that kind of time to put in.
0: No, certainly and, you know, the one thing that we have learned from the DDF is that we, you know, there's a lot of very uh, vocal voices in the DDF and quite a large number of the DDF that don't really get involved to the same degree. So mm. you know, the whole subject about godlike powers has uh, always been one that's sort of, I don't know, stuck out for me as something that was said as a throwaway comment and really shouldn't be something that, um, you know, frontier development should be should be made to uh, to sort of deliver on. But personally can't see the idea of a power being driven by the ddf as something that's going to be great for the game uh, not that i don't you know re- completely respect all the different opinions and voices that are in the ddf but <laughs> having read all the ddf discussions the thought of a power actually being controlled by one of those is uh, uh it's a scary concept uh, it okay. really is um So, yeah, I mean, the other thing we should probably just mention on that point in terms of uh, influence and stuff is the way that the power play is going to work uh, in terms of at the end of the week, you choose a direction for your power to take and everybody gets a vote who's aligned to that power. And the people who have a higher reputation or a higher standing who have grinded up their level within that power possibly have a little bit more influence. Possibly their their vote carries a few more points behind it, potentially, I think is what... uh, what frontier developments are getting at in terms of you know, how you work your way up in these things so I mean it could be that as you say it takes a lot of effort to uh, to run one of these guilds and factions and stuff but possibly it could also be quite a lot of work if you grind yourself up to being one of the leaders of these powers uh, there might actually be quite a lot of management and strategic thinking that goes behind what uh, what happens to that power and where you take that power in the game mm-hmm. and getting enough people to actually sort of yeah, you know, side their votes with you in it.
2: Yeah, well that's about, that's another thing that's concerning me a little because it does go back to this kind of eve corporate model. And uh yeah. Well we'll just have to
0: it's one of these ones we'll just have to wait and see I think. Yeah. Uh, until we uh, get more details. <laughs> <laughs> and following on from that, another question which is uh, will we be able to name a power if we get our ranks to the top of that power? David says, no, the power's name needs to remain consistent. We can't change. We can't have them changing all of the time. And then he goes on to say, for ones that have risen from a minor local faction, and for that you can read something like the Crimson State, from a minor local faction by player actions, we might be able to do something there. Now that, for me, set alarm bells ringing, because that, to me, suggested that would be a way for the Goon Squad to suddenly if they could throw enough people at it and change a minor faction and get it all the way to the top, and then they could change it to you know, Goon Nation or something like that and, and really sort of um, yeah, bring that element into the game. Now, I mean, is there much in a name? I mean, would it be that bad if we had factions called them actually East India Trading Company, you know, Emperor's Grace, Goon Squad? You know, is that a bad thing? Is that well, a way of... To be honest, I mean, I've
2: got no problem with anything that feels elite if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Goon Squad, they belong in EVE. You know, the name Goon Squad. I mean, you don't mind if the people come over and do their own thing, but uh, it's its one of these things where it, there's got certain connotations attached to it that everyone just goes, oh, right, they're here to ruin the game then. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's one of these things where we've got to see how it goes because... I mean, the, the work that the Crimson State did eventually led to the uh, to the, the Lou community goals, which turned out to be absolutely fantastic. And you can't <laughs> knock that. And it's the same with the code. As much as I don't like what they were doing, they did create a lot of gameplay and it was emergent. And um, even though you might get interdicted by one of them, you still ended up having an interaction there that you wouldn't have had otherwise. But it all depends on, on the people running these
0: things. And that's one thing you can't plan for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and just quickly on the, the Loo front and Crimson State, the next episode of the Conclave, the final part of our Clash of Clans, will be coming out this week. And that episode will focus uh, pretty much solely on the, what happened at the Battle of Loo and how it came about uh, Crimson State's is actually going to be joining us on that show and talking about yeah, the interaction they had with Frontier Developments and how the first real sort of community goal came into being so uh, watch out for that on iTunes and your other podcasting download software mm. um, okay back to the questions if we had Grant here this would be a point where we would actually want some fanfare because the question that I've been, the question's come up and uh, it's finally got an answer uh, it's one that I've been banging the drum about for ages and it's <laughs> surely uh, right on commander is long past due, if not will there be some other kind of recognition for ranking up in the game all David says to this is I quite agree so hopefully hopefully with power play we'll get something, some little thing that pops up on screen to let us know when we've actually gone from one rank to another because I'm now sat at, what am I, broker I think for, for trading and I have never once uh, known when I've gone from one rank to the other. And it was a small thing in the elite games, but it it made, because you were grinding for such a long time, it made a big difference to you. It it made you sort of sit up and go, huh, excellent, look at that, look what I did. And then you can go and stare at your status and stuff for half an hour. Yeah, well, in other MMOs, uh, when you actually look at, uh, I know they're
2: experience points based, but normally you have uh, two bars. One showing you how many XP you've got and one uh, bar that shows you how much XP you need in order to get up to the next level. I do wonder sometimes if, if that is missing or whether or not but I do agree that something like a right-on commander or a well-done commander or good trade commander, yeah, um, depending on, on, on what you've gone up at, might be more helpful. You know, like a, a right-on commander when you've, when you've gone up a level I think it, it happened every 256 ships in the old game Every fifty six sh- ships, surprisingly 8-bit number, then all of a sudden you got a right-on commander. Mm. And that was actually quite a good motivator because all of a sudden you were beginning to lose interest a little bit. And all of a sudden, ding, <laughs> right-on commander. All right, excellent. Let's keep on grinding. And I must admit, the grind between deadly and elite, oh, yeah. you, needed, you needed some endurance pills to manage that one, really.
3: <laughs>
0: This is a question from from Ral, uh, and this is one that we've already touched on as we've been going through. It says, "Will there be independent? Will there be independent powers to back? And can player-backed minor factions become powers if deemed important enough? Such as important enough, such as one we just been mentioned, which is the Crimson State." Mm-hmm. To which David says, "Yes, and yes. Powers can be independently aligned, and minor factions can become powers if they are successful enough. Although he says this is no easy task." There'll be a chance at this for an old world resurgence around the time that Power Play launches, if the players oh. should choose to back them. Now, oh. that just basically means to me that obviously Lave, Listy, Requat, all of those has the possibility of being a power within their own rights. Now, tell me if you wouldn't jump on that bandwagon from day one. Well, you see, that's the thing. It's a,
2: well, they're all a well. They're supposed to be alliance. Uh, Aligned. And if that means that there are an alliance aligned, then the chances are I'd probably, maybe, join in a one that's around Lave. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I've got no idea why I joined the one in Lave, perhaps. But, um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to look up. Because uh, you do look at the map and you think, right, okay, the old worlds are over here. The alliance capital is 140 light years away and in between there's a whole lot of federation worlds Ah, where's the join up
0: (laughs) yeah exactly hmm well other questions coming in question about whether or not there will be an exploration focused faction in power play Uh, David says there's no exploration oriented power but there Mm. is a power with exploration specific perks now we haven't touched really upon perks as we've been going through this discussion because I have no idea what these perks are going to look like. I know we've had some information that certain powers will have certain weapon modules specific to them, which again makes me scratch my head in terms of what's, yeah, how that works currently within the, uh, within the build of the game. You got any speculation on how that might work? Well, I do know that uh, Mr. Evans was commenting that a lot of the
2: modules that he was working on that uh, disappeared after the first couple of days in Gamma, I think they did, things like the focused beam laser and things like that, they all disappeared, and I reckon some of these things have been reserved for factions. So you might have some factions that will have stronger weapons, but you'll have other factions that will have stronger shields. And there might be, in this case what was it in the Frontier First Encounters there was a whole load of uh, explorers based out of the Alliance I think the, the whole Ardent Quest thing they, they might have special exploration modules which would mean that you're able to scan systems quicker or jump further at the cost of, of other things so again it's, it's good to speculate but we'll just have to wait and see
0: yeah, absolutely. And I'm just trying to figure out how that works in terms of the fiction and narrative. I mean, would you have certain powers that uh, are more sort of focused on science and they have better sort of reach, uh, research and development and so therefore a better weapons, a weapons research base and that's why you get the, you know, advanced rail guns and stuff or are you going to have, you yeah, know, a certain system that's very good at uh, making missiles and they've got certain missiles that they've got or... Yeah, It'll be interesting to see how that particularly comes into play, especially because they said that the perks you know, some of them will only actually work within the, uh, the confines of the, the power's influence So when it well, comes to a weapon Yeah, exactly, when it comes to a weapons module how does that work? I mean, when you go over a border does it stop working or is it that you need a certain mm. amount of ammo from a certain you know, part of that particular area that fuels the gun? It'll be interesting to see how that works yeah, I mean, I can see how the, the ammo
2: thing would be a, a good restriction. Where you know you couldn't, you couldn't get the ammo for it for your particular gun when you're outside that faction's influence. Maybe I don't know when you dock at a uh, influence station, it will refocus the lasers properly. And if you if you use that laser for too long without it docking at one of those stations, then the focus goes and you, you lose your advantage. I mean, there are little. Little things that they can put in, little bits of flavor which would explain why the the weapons would fade back. But there'd be some things there that you'd think, oh, for exploration, for instance. I mean, how, how would something degrade? Would it degrade further if you were, uh, were in another faction's sphere of influence? Or would you... Um, yeah, <laughs>
3: it's no idea.
2: Of, it's one of these things which, yeah, you speculate, but we've, we're just waiting on the on the detail.
0: Okay. Well, um, looking at the next question, it says, "Will the 1.3 update, Power Play update, include more appropriate consequences when it comes to crime and punishment? Currently, a bounty that can be paid off within a few minutes for killings, a clean player that has no bounty and no wanted level, doesn't seem to be appropriate." David tells us that uh, Michael will be doing a crime special in his next development update, so he's not going to steal his thunder. Now that's interesting if powerplay is actually going to start rebalancing the, uh, you know, the the crime and punishment and the consequences of, uh, of your actions a little bit more, I've always thought that being able to you know, mow down innocence and then dock up safely and pay off the bounty and then continue always seemed a little bit um, a little bit false, to be honest, a little bit sort of incongruous. Do you agree with yeah.
2: that? Oh yeah, completely. That that that's the one of the things that doesn't hold true because basically, let's see. Oh, as Ed was doing, oh sorry, Ben was doing rather. He was flying around places, blowing away innocent traders, and not, there wasn't a, a pang of guilt in in his consciousness at all. As it, as he as he docked, just paid off the fine and then went out, and then went out and killed some more innocents. <laughs> I think in one of these cases, it would have been a case where that fine should have stayed with you, and it, that fine would have degraded over time. You could pay it off; you could pay the fine off, but you can't pay the bounty off. Now, I think something like that was mooted a little while ago, but it's gone—it's gone dark. So that might have been—it uh, might be reworked or something like that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it because that's one of these
0: little little things which does need to be smoothed out a bit. Well, we'll see what they say. I'm looking forward to Michael's next update then to see what uh, what they're going to do. Just going through the last few questions before we move on to Community Corner. question here is, when will there be non-celestial things to discover in deep space? Yeah. David replies to this question by just saying, there already are. and puts a winky smiley in there, which I thought, oh, what the hell, yeah, surely you need to give us a little bit more to go on than that it's not um, thinking it's not the, the Voyager probe that he's alluding to there, and then amusingly a little bit later on in the question and answer session, the guy comes back in and says, uh, it was Slack R actually, he says, uh, just, to, just to clarify, I did say deep space those probes that are still in the solar system are still in the solar system, so I hope you mean other things to find and David replies back yes, other things winky again so <laughs> I mean, <laughs> speculation is rife as to what the heck he's talking about in terms of what things are out there for the explorers. Again, when we had the the explorers on Conclave, you know, they are all out there. They're all actually doing this active searching. And to be honest, I was probably a little bit um, blasé about sort of poo-pooing their exploration ideas, because in my head, nothing uh, had been programmed, nothing had been done at Frontier Developments and implemented into the game. So, I thought that their idea of going out there and searching for stuff was a bit... I mean, great for role-playing, but uh, pointless, in fact, that we hadn't heard anything. So, for David Braben to come out and say that there are... there's already stuff out there, non-celestial things to find, just sends a little bit of a shiver down my spine. It'll be... It'll be interesting when when we start hearing reports back about what exactly is out there. I mean, go on, speculate wildly. What do you think it could be? (laughs) Well, let's see. I mean, there's obviously... Um, other
2: alien civilizations that could be out there. And I'm, I'm not mentioning the Thargoids, because we know that they're out there somewhere. But these other things, they might be probes. There might be space dredges. Imagine if you came across a space dredger. Or, a space dredger being... Yeah. Oh, there, were, there was something in the Dark Wheel about space dredgers. In fact, actually there's also something in uh, Tales from the Frontier about space dredgers which recycle... Uh, recycle old stations and things like that but there's also um, generation ships which was mentioned in the previous think- uh, fiction imagine coming across a generation ship that's gone a little gone a little off the beaten track and those things would be great to find or you might find some wrecks you'd be able to well, I'm not quite sure whether you can scavenge from a wreck yet but I know that was mentioned in the DDF once, once or twice
0: yeah, absolutely. So these are all things that uh, potentially could be out there in the in the big void to find. If you're an explorer and you've got far too much time on your hands, I mean, uh, you know, the the perseverance to to keep looking. Well, uh, this this is the thing because they've released
2: some figures on that that of the uh, the vast amount of systems to explore. Haven't we only managed not point not one percent or something deaf like that? It's, yeah, I mean, it's a
0: ludicrously small amount. Um, which I mean is great. It just means to say that we've still got plenty of uh, plenty of life left in this uh, galaxy yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so look, what else
2: have we got here? Oh, I do like this little one. Are there any Douglas Adams references to be found in game? Ah, uh, yes, I got that too. The mostly harmless one. Oh, yes, there's obviously one in Barnard Star where you can come across maybe some roundabouts.
3: But,
2: <laughs> but um I mean there's there's a couple of things we could we could do to add that in. I mean let's see then the twenty twenty fifth of May this year there is it's towel day. So um we could all just people could meet up round the Adams station and uh, tribute to that kind of thing. I do know that there's there's a few things in the in the text there that if you look through there's a, it's very hitchhikers like.
0: So are you suggesting that people wear their best sort of towel-esque skin uh, <laughs> and meet up around the Adam station? Yeah, why not? That that would be a good one to, to put about for the for the towel day, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I was until you mentioned it, I didn't even know there was such a thing as towel day. But you don't know about towel day? And no, then towel you, say day com- you No, towel day was a com- <laughs> com- completely new to me. <laughs> oh, how can you know about Hitchhiker's
2: Guide to the Galaxy and not know about towel day? Oh... <laughs>
0: Um, Hand in your geek card right now (laughs) I don't think I've ever been giving it back in fairness Uh, (laughs) I've lost it that many times Uh, just a couple of quick ones before we wrap this up Uh, there was a question about uh, orreries uh, obviously, if uh, if you can remember as far back as some of the development shots we saw uh, in the early days uh, of the galactic map and stuff, there was a there was a picture that sort of mooted about of an orary. Uh, for those people that don't know what an orrery is, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a model of the um, the galaxy with the the sun at the centre and all the various different celestial bodies spinning around at their particular orbits and stuff. So, oh, you mean the solar system, not the galaxy? Yes, yeah, sorry, the solar system. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this question is whether or not um there would be this implemented into the game all that david braven says is it's still on the list but for me that's one of the the things that we've got to look forward to if they can if and when they can get around to implementing that uh and seeing sort of like live dynamic sort of a representation of the the solar system that you're in especially considering how diverse these things are i think that'd be phenomenal yeah, I must admit, when we
2: um, when we first saw those pictures when it came out, it was a, a peak of the week. I was there quite excited about that. I thought, "Oh, that looks good." You could probably speed it up and slow it down so you could see the rotation of the planets at, uh, on that system through, you know, projected time. Uh, and then when we finally got the in system map. It was a case of, "Oh, okay, this is this is like um, this wasn't what I was expecting." Still works. I'm perfectly happy with it, but um, I must admit that if you want that level of awesome, (laughs) the the
0: previous (laughs) version would would probably fit the bill. Yeah, definitely. Right, before we uh, wrap this up, is there anything else that we uh, saw in the Ask Me Anything that you want to cover before we move on? Oh, not really. I think we've covered everything
2: else in the previous stuff that we've talked about, but there was one final thing about the Alliance I love this little bit of quote. Someone's asked, the Emperor has a great couple of ships, which adds identity. And the mighty Federation have also got ships to call their own. I wonder if Matlock is a Federation fan. But then he goes in and say that he loves the Alliance and feels that they've been neglected by the devs. Is there a reason for this? And will something happen or extra content for the Alliance faction? Uh, to which the reply was, well, it's, the Alliance is a relative newcomer. And it sort of says, the Federation Empire have had hundreds of years to evolve their traditions and identity. Uh, The Alliance is a little different from the independent ships already available in the game. That's not to say that the Alliance building project might happen in the future, along with the recruitment to an Alliance Navy. The trouble is, the Prime Minister Mahon, or whatever his name is, gets it hard for his members to agree about anything, really. Which links into the fact that the Alliance is very like the EU.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> not being political there, I'm not part of UK Independence Party or anything like that, but you do know, oh God, how
0: long does it take to get something done in Europe? For me, the I, I'm going to have to grind up the Imperial side of things anyway, because I, I want to fly some of the Imperial ships, but really my heart is uh, its very much sort of Firefly, it's very much sort of a brown coat so I very much would like to be a member of the alliance at some point, uh, mm-hmm. but I would like the alliance to have some better ships. I mean, let's be honest; they—they they, they, it's the boneyard. They just take from the boneyard. If anybody's out there has read uh, Lay Revolution, you get a little bit more background onto what sort of ships the alliance are actually flying. Certainly when it comes to their capital ships, uh, and it's all just a little bit sort of rag and bone. So it would be great if they could start creating sort of new ships with an aesthetic that, yeah, is all of the Alliance, you know, maybe a little bit cobbled together, yet still packs a punch or, you know, has it where it counts if it was like the Millennium Falcon, you know. Um, It would be nice to see a a completely different aesthetic. It's quite ironic, really, because in Frontier First Encounters,
2: the most advanced ship you could get was from the Alliance, outside the Thargoid one. Mm. The Ardent's Quest was was the most advanced vessel in human space and that seems to have gone the way of uh, gone away, if you see what I mean so um, it'll be interesting to see what comes up in the future
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's certainly one that they're going to uh, have to flesh out Okay, so I think that's going to do it for the main discussion obviously when the rest of the crew comes back on uh, next week, I'm sure they'll have a few more things to add, and in fact we should also have next week we should have a guest coming on from frontier developments if it all pans out ed lewis uh, community manager for frontier developments has said he's going to stop by and talk to us a little bit about power play as well so that'll be quite cool that's going to be on next week's show but just for a moment we're going to go for a quick advert and then after that we'll come back for community corner
3: we
1: buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size, we buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with Dutch's space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, We take any ship!
3: We buy any ship!
1: Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. anaconda, asp, bower, cobra, constrictor, cruisers, eagle, falcon, gecko, griffin, gear, harris, harrier, hawk, kestrel, crate, lanners, lifters, lions, mantis, merlin, moray, osprey, panther, puma, python, Saker, sidewinder, skeet, spar, Stowmaster, piercel,
4: tiger, transporter, turner, viper, wyvern, or any imperial or thargoid vessels.
0: Okay, so Community Corner this week. Let's start off with the uh, news that we have more new subforums. We have one oh. new sub-forum on the forum. Don't make that noise, Colin. Mute <laughs> you your microphone before you say that. Yes, there are a lot of sub-forums on the forums. But these ones, we have one to discuss ships and their merits. We have another one to discuss specifically exploration. And another one to discuss the complexities of outfitting. You guys see yourself spending much time in those?
1: Well, I suppose that these these are clearly being introduced for the new players coming in who haven't had the benefit of being there when these kind of threads were around and easy to find. Now they're buried, you know, they're so far deep in the dark parts of the forums that no one's going to stumble across that valuable and useful information. So I can understand this, but for for the players that are kind of there, I mean, to discuss ships and their merits... uh, Really, it doesn't. Yeah, maybe it's because we've talked about them all the way through development that makes it kind of seem a bit needless. So that's why I think this is purely for the new players joining us. In which case, they should be welcomed, and we should all be in there fleshing it out a little bit so that they can find the information that they need. And that's what our part should be. As for exploration, I haven't got a clue because I've never done it. So maybe I'll go in there and read how to.
0: So, what you're suggesting is rather than go into any of these sub forums, they should spend some time listening to the last hundred and plus hours of late radio that we've recorded over the last two years. Yes, that's why oh. shouldn't they? Why
1: shouldn't <laughs> they? Or was it they usually say isn't it? Use the search function. Because that's the really, really helpful way to help somebody find what they're looking for. Yeah, when you use a search function, because there's six thousand threads and they all mention the word ship.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to uh, uh, Viper flag skins. Various flag skins for the Viper have been made available again for a limited time on the store.
1: It doesn't um, make sense. If it's going to be a limited time, you can't have repetitive limited time. It all adds together to be lots of time.
0: <laughs> I think that pretty much sums up exactly what people's comments were on the fact that they've relaunched these skins but uh, I like, a
1: little bit I like the fact that now they're not they're not calling them limited availability skins they're not calling them limited time skins which is just like it's kind of like a DFS sale <laughs>
0: <laughs> and quickly let's just scan over the uh, community goal updates so uh,
1: for community goal updates we've got the end of the war in uh, Prothing any well, of you guys no, it been was, getting involved in that? <laughs> I couldn't spell the name of the place, I just put Prothing. It's Prothing something or other. Um pros, process, yes, or something, I can't remember what was now. But it was uh, an ongoing battle where you could collect combat bonds. And on Friday, Saturday night, I decided I was going to go along and join in, only to find out that I had finished a couple of hours before I did so. <laughs> so I missed that. But apparently a lot of people were involved in that. It was quite a a significant amount of money being made in combat bonds there, which is awesome. So instead, I diverted to the nearby system of HR 706, which had a community goal just start at that point. And I thought, right, I'll go and take part in that one. thinking it would be combat bonds, but it wasn't. It was actually bounties.
0: Okay, so before we go any further, I'm going to revoke your right to write anything in the show notes because you've literally just put end of war in pro-thing brackets. We'll fix this and bring details.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nope, there's no excuse out of that one, Grant. You've been (laughs) caught bang to rights.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, I love hosting this show. Right, moving on to the next one. Uh, The Bounty Community Gold at Lamming Orbital in HR 706. Grant, take us through this one.
1: I certainly can. Now, this is one of the things that links in uh, neatly to the Galnet news feeds with the assassination attempt on the Deval. Now, I can't remember remember the names. How terrible is that? Um, But essentially, the... Oh well, now what was her name, it's Lavigny, isn't it? Lavigny, Lavigny uh, Duval who decided that she wanted to launch her own investigation into this attack and decided that the best thing to do was to head over to this HR 706 system and wipe out the criminals and, and find out by either murdering them all or battering them all to see where this hornet's nest would lead and it finished today and slap bang and, well in the Galnet News, we have that the Emperor's Grace was... Emperor's Grace indicted an attack on Emperor, so the Imperial Palace has secured and uncovered an attempt plot to poison Emperor Hengst Duval. And that's what this community goal has led to. Which is awesome, because it kind of feels like, oh, I've played my part in this story. Except... that I said earlier on in the show that I would tell you where I, I feel there's a slight disconnect here. Because it's kind of like people throwing coins in a, a wishing well. Everybody does it and the wishing well gets full. But it doesn't have any bearing on the fullness of the wishing well, if you know what I mean. That wishing well is going to fill up. Whether it takes six months or ten years, it's going to fill up with coins. And in this kind of thing, you're doing these tasks and you're making money and I got a fantastic reward at the end of it of an extra two million, which is fantastic, brilliant, you know. But did I do anything in this that sort of fits the story other than taking out bounties I don't think I do I don't feel that I've been part of a a story I've not uncovered something I've not found a clue I've not altered the course of this storyline this storyline is going on without it and these community goals just seem to be bolted on the side and that's kind of how it feels so I'm hoping with Powerplay we'll feel a bit more involved rather than just doing a little exercise on the side loosely related to a story
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's just have a quick look. Anything else to cover off in Community Corner before we go into Community Questions? Uh, No, I think that's just about it. So, let's go straight into the questions. First one comes in from... Oh, I'm going to butcher your name. Acellus Thorne, who asks... uh, I had a thought when I was re-watching NTD's uh, Cosmos on Netflix. NTD, I'm assuming is Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a very famous American astronomer who does lots of science stuff over there. Uh, How awesome would it be to have your... To have a strictly exploration vessel, sleek and fast, designed for optimum jump distance with maximum fuel efficiency. Even more so with Neil deGrasse Tyson at your side informing you at random on unique astronomical information to the sector, system or celestial body that you are currently at. Even more so, if the ship was modelled after the spaceship imagination in his series Cosmos, I think it would really follow in the spirit of exploration presented in Elite Dangerous. And his series Cosmos, as well as, help to subdue the monotony that occurs when exploring. Um, now, I don't think we've really got... Well, John John R. now is, uh, is probably the resident explorer that we've got on the show, but what do you reckon, guys? The Asp Explorer, I suppose, is the ship in-game that's modelled for uh, exploration, Uh, Would you agree that that's the best ship? Would you like to see a better ship out there specific for exploration?
2: Well, of all the ships that are available, it certainly is the best for exploration. I've never seen any other ship with that large amount of uh, jump range, if you manage to set it up correctly. I do know that there are certain additions that you can get to things like Voice Attack, which has uh, the Galactic Encyclopedia, Basically attached to it So now if you say there's a type 5 star To voice attack It'll go and look up And then tell you and give you details About that particular type of star Correct me if I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong But I thought that things like Midnight And uh, Astra had that kind of thing built in
1: Astra certainly does yes and certainly it's got market materials and commodities in there too so you can say what's palladium and it'll give you a kind of breakdown of what it is and I think it's the same for stars and particular places as well and systems that are in there uh, which is an amazing amount of work by the guys to kind of bring that voice activated, computer tell me about Lave and it comes back saying, run, the code are there something along these lines but it kind of does flesh out your experience and for explorers I can imagine that having a voice talking to you might be something they need or they could just listen to the Lave radio live stream
2: that is also very true
1: Karash is also out there, isn't he? Is he not on his way out no, to he's Sag- an- No,
2: he's been. He's he's almost back. Him and Kate. There's another person who's just released a voice pack. Uh, Doris is, has been released lately for voice for voice attack, I do believe. I was just right.
1: thinking, well, how would we do ours? You are running <laughs> low on probably. fuel, Commander.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that, that is a
0: kiss of death, isn't it? If you've got you, you as a fuel warning person, isn't it? <laughs> well, you'd have to have the second technician to talk about any particular mechanical malfunctions you've got on your ship, wouldn't you? Yeah, how, how many whacks of the, the wrench
2: do you want me <laughs> to give this one? Oh, I
0: think it's a three-wrench problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to Philip Afton's question. He says, um, do you think the continued make it easier theme strengthens or weakens the game? Will everything become cheaper, or gaining your more rewards for the same effort removes some of the long-term enjoyment from the game? And if so, does it matter?
2: Do you think it's being made easier? I don't think it is, to be honest. One of the things that, I mean, one of the things that has surprised me is, of course because i'm I'm living in real life i've I've only got a limited amount of time I can play the game. The fact that I can do this podcast is a godsend as well, so I'm only playing about five or six hours at the most a week, and so that means that for me I haven't got to the point where certain people who have been basically playing the heck out of this game have got to at the moment, where they say they've got everything. They've got all three elites, and they're flying around in a massive anaconda that's completely maxed out. They've got a whole lot of fleets all around with them. So, it all depends on the amount of time you've, you're able to put into the game. And what I'm concerned about is that people are going to listen to those that have reached the end point, if you see what I mean, where you can't get any more. and And then they'll start forgetting about the rest of us who don't have the time to get to that point
1: yeah i, I kind of agree with you that you know the, 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 i don't think they're making it easy they may be making it more accessible because certainly trading's got more difficult from the people that started out they had a nice easy rares runs and stuff like that and then you know the profits and the markets were all adjusted down so they definitely are trying to balance it and that the danger is if you make it too hard people give up. If you make it too easy, people give up. So you've got to find that little sweet point in the middle, but it is a balancing game, and it I would say it definitely does matter. It won't affect the long-term joy of the game, because there's so many different aspects of the game that you can get in that aren't really affected by how easy it is. I mean, combat is special, but exploration, for example, isn't ever going to be made easier unless you have a particular ship that comes in at some point in the future with a thousand light year jump uh, frame shift drive at which point it might become a bit mundane and I suppose without these adjustments the game would become mundane because you've got to jump on it when it's easy and take advantage of that so that you can survive the times when it becomes less easy and let's face it that's what life is like
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay,
1: next question coming in
0: from actually my brother, Martin, who says, is there any update on the potential for new books? Uh, And also, wasn't there going to be a Lave Revolution movie? And also, wasn't there going to be an Escape Velocity season three? Now we've covered some of these already, but the potential for new books—I think the latest from Michael Brooks on that one—is that uh, they're basically going to yeah, wait for a little bit longer and see how the, the fiction pans out and see how these books take off and, and take it from there. It's certainly not on the uh, on the radar at the at the moment. The uh, Lave Revolution movie uh, is still in the works. It's still going through various sorts of development stuff. Uh, Next time Alan's on the show, we'll certainly get him to talk about it. And Escape Velocity Season 3. Mr. Jarvis is currently... Well, actually, at the moment, Mr. Jarvis is currently looking after his wife, uh, Hannah, who's unfortunately broken her leg in many places falling off a piece of children's playground equipment. Uh, she has her operation tomorrow, so we wish her well. So at the moment, Chris is focused on the audiobooks and the production for all of those things, and then, uh, who knows, hopefully Escape Velocity Season 3 will find some time after that.
1: I don't. I don't mean to be cruel, but you can't just say something like that and not expect a snigger to come out from me. She was playing on children's equipment and fell off and seriously hurt herself.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, she has broken her leg in many places and needs to go in for it to be pinned.
1: Oh my goodness, that's yeah. that's horrific.
0: Yeah, and Chris is obviously at home looking after lovely little Eden and trying to do all the audiobooks and everything else at the same time. So it's uh, it's a hard time for the Jarvis family. I'm going to pop round tomorrow actually and see them and just make sure they're okay. But yeah, so we are all of our well wishes go to Hannah for her operation tomorrow. Mm. Hear, hear. Yeah, hear. Okay, uh, we've already mentioned it on the show, but a question coming in from Chris Carpenter, who says, uh, "Gents, what's your thoughts regarding Michael Brooks' post today regarding the sounds for ancient relics?" Now, I didn't realize this has been posted, but this links into the "Ask Me Anything" that we were talking about in terms of non-celestial things to discover in deep space. Uh, have either of you guys read the post by Michael Brooks yet? Oh no, this one, this one's a new one me. New one. Yeah, on me, rather.
1: I, uh. I was installing my PC, so I barely got your show notes up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So at this present moment in time, we don't know. We have no comment on it because none of us have actually spotted that one, Chris. So uh, wait for the next episode and we will come back to you after we've read the comment. But the, the fact that there is stuff out there for explorers to find, I think, is a definite bonus because at the moment it's uh, it's slim pickings for explorers. Okay, and Ian Honcherenko says, what does the Lave Radio team think about the recent events regarding the Imperial Succession crisis? Is there anyone they particularly support? Now, I think it's already been established that until Galnet appears on my uh, cockpit view, I haven't the faintest idea what's going on in the galaxy as a whole. So, either of you two got any opinions on what's currently happening? Oh, I'm I'm enjoying watching it from afar. I'm glad I'm not
2: involved at the moment. (laughs) Yes, almost the the amount of political manoeuvring between the different factions are are definitely worthy of the Imperials, put it that way. Uh, For more information, see Drew Rhaegar's reclamation. That is uh, certainly true to imperial form but I'm glad I'm not involved in it just at this moment in time
1: well, I mean, it's the biggest sort of creator of the community goals at the moment. We've had, we've had popularity competitions with slaves to try and say I'm more popular than you, therefore I should be in the power. Then we've got uh, um, Arissa Lavini, who is continually hunting down the people that dared launch an assassination attempt on the emperor himself, and you've got Halsey who's off on a tour of federal frontier systems to build stronger weeks, be- links, sorry, stronger weeks, stronger links between Saul. And its many offspring, and that's the first federal comment we've seen in Galnet for a wee while. So there's just <laughs> loads of um, it's like chess pieces, and they're all moving. And they say the only criticism I've got is, okay, maybe these these stories should drive the game rather than the guy the game drive these stories. But I do feel there's a slight disconnect that this is just basically some collection of stories already predetermined which it must be obviously and we get the odd taste of the wee mission chucked in on the side and I feel that it kind of highlights that we're not quite in the Elite Dangerous game where the player's blazing their own trail or affecting the dynamics to that high level so I can't wait for power play and to see what's going to happen how we're going to be able to pick a side in this whole Imperial um, debacle and Get stuck into making our particular candidate win, but I don't care. I'm going to shoot them all. <laughs> <laughs> Down with those Imperials. And there was a huge, massive argument on Facebook led by Mr. Jonathan Stabler today about this very, very issue about what side who would pick. And he was saying he serves the Empire and therefore isn't going to go with the popular choices just because they're popular. <laughs> <laughs> So it's getting quite heated out there, and it's wonderful to see players getting heated on the fiction that's attached to the game, and that's quite nice to see people getting there, standing their corners and getting ready for power play, so they can nail their legs to the floor or whatever it was. Just shut up.
0: Okay, let's just quickly go through some of the shout outs. The first one is the uh, Kickstarter that we've been following. That's Uncle Art. And just to let you know that he's currently sitting at £17,802 with six days to go. It finishes on Monday. So if you can get across there and support the Uncle Art Kickstarter, it's a fantastic cause. It's going to be the you know, the live recording of the Elite Frontier theme done at abbey road along with the whole remixing of all the works that he's famous for from the amiga days and so on in a new album so if you can go over to kickstarter look up for uncle arts and back that um data slate episode four has been released, it's available to download. Alan and John discuss the Arthur C. Clarke Awards, the British Science Fiction Association, the Star Wars Celebration in Unheim, uh, David Hasselhoff's latest music video, really? Um, and this episode's uh. book choices, which are Trudge by Sean Chesser and War Stories, New Military Science Fiction. Speaking about Alan, uh, Lave Revolution, the book for the eagle died out there. You have noticed that the Alan Stroud's book is missing from Amazon and the Frontier Store. Alan and Fantastic Publishing currently have a contractual dispute, which they're working to resolve. Uh, We wish both parties well, and hopefully we'll see copies of that back on sale ASAP. Failing that, the scarcity should mean that if you've bought a copy, it will give you a really nice return if you decide to flog it on eBay itunes reviews we've got one itunes review coming in from uh is it nipper or gipper G-nipper. It's gonna nipper
1: it's going to be a nipper as in nasher
0: <laughs> okay so nipper so thank you very much we're currently sitting at about 93 itunes reviews so if you haven't uh, given us a review on itunes uh please head over there and give us a review and get us over the 100 review barrier which would be quite cool um who have we got in the irc channel guys in the IRC channel,
2: we have... Uh, Alex Hansford, Arkham Baust, Commander Twisted, Commander Babster, Commander Payne, C- Captain Shinobi, Fiverr underscore, Gimli Highbro, Hobamalo, Inamin, jevert Jintos, uh, Mark Dis, Mind mister Tea T-Time, Naldel oh, Nalditz... <laughs> Work that one out Remclip Raven Riot Gradus, Starion Starion underscore and there is also someone called
0: Vu Ah yes Mm. the wonderful Lisa Vu whose first message on the IRC channel tonight is oh no it's Fozza so I (laughs) should be having words with her when she gets back from the EA conference that she's currently at in Sweden Mm. I've got your number girl Um, Grant who have we got hanging around outside Lave Station
1: Right. Well, actually, we've had quite a few people out around tonight. It's been quite cramped. Um, lots of contacts on the syst- on the on my scanner. We have Commander Javert. We have Mindwipe. We have well ourselves. Obviously, Nexus Reject, who had disappeared there for a second. Um, we have Commander Payne. We have Commander Archibald, or he was going to send us in a WAV file telling us how to s- pronounce his name. So I look forward <laughs> to hearing that. Um, and I think there's some other people here. I might just have to do a wee quick scan and see who this is in the clipper. That's Mindwipe. Thanks guys for turning up outside leave. Okay, and finally, Lavecon
0: 2015 on the 11th and 12th of July at Sedbergh Hall in Northamptonshire. Just to let you guys know, we've actually got Starfleet Comms bringing the bridge set up to Lavecon. If anybody's seen uh, Artemis, it's basically it's a, a simulator that allows you to sort of role play the various stations on the bridge of say the Starship Enterprise and replay all the roles through uh, scenarios. What John's bringing along is a whole additional lighting rig for that with some dry ice and stuff so that when you go to things like Condition Red the room will actually flash red if you get hits it'll be loud noises through the speakers and uh, dry ice in the room but it basically it's going to be an exceptionally immersive experience so uh, if you haven't already got your tickets for LaveCon 2015 head over to com and check it out when you actually get hit do they have exploding bits on the keyboard like they do in the ship i doubt it <laughs> Okay, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Skype channel by adding Fozzer One to your Skype contacts and just let me know it's Elite that you're after. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. That's laveradio.teamSpeak3.com. Thanks to Colin and Grant, and thanks to those commanders who've joined us outside the station and in the IRC channel. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
3: One for each other, and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother, and everyone a brave amigo. Wherever they need us, our destinies lead us. Amigos, we're always. Ah, 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 ah. Wherever we go and we save amigos, and we'll be amigos forever. We are the three amigos. We are the three amigos. We are the three. Broadcast from an orange sidewinder and hosted by a vending machine technician, it's Lee Radio.
4: Attention. Attention. Would you like to reorder?
1: Great. Would you like to do something? Huh? huh